So I, the first session I taught was called A Better Way to Pray. If you want a good book to read about prayer, this, it, a lot of this is based on Andrew Womack's teachings, and the, one of the books is A Better Way to Pray by Andrew Womack. So I kind of gave an overview about what prayer is and what it isn't. What Jesus warned us about, warned people about, cautioned them about, about praying wrong. There's right and wrong way to pray. There's an effective and ineffective way to pray. And so that's what the first teaching was about. Then the second teaching was called Spiritual Laws That Govern Your Faith to Receive. I actually shared it again last night at Pastor Tim's meeting. So a couple of you guys were there last night, so you heard it again. But there are laws, spiritual laws that are in place that, that are, God has established for us. And when we agree with him and follow those spiritual laws, faith comes by hearing. Speak faith. Speak to the mountain. Be committed, focused. There were several things that I shared. They're very powerful to draw from the spiritual realm and into the natural realm through your prayer. Then last week, Fran taught on the prayer of intercession, praying for others, and the prayer of thanksgiving. Today, well, Tom was going to teach today, so we switched. So today I'm going to be teaching about the blessing. Praying the blessing over yourself, over those that you love. And I'm also going to share part of a teaching on how to pray for the lost. This has come up so many times as I've been talking to different people. So I thought, you know what? I've, I've been praying for my people in my family that I love so much. And so I'm going to share about that today as well. And the next week, Tom is going to wrap this whole series up um, teaching on speaking to the mountain and binding and loosing. Everything that's in the Bible, but praying effectively. Miracle-working, power-packed prayers, just like Fran prayed with Linda and Doug and saw amazing results. We've all done that. We've all seen the amazing results of a powerful prayer. But I don't know about you. I want to see amazing results every time I pray, every time I speak, every day. Amen. Amen. Can I share just a little bit about baby Ella? And I don't remember all the details, but those of you who have been coming for a while have heard about Ella. Ella is right here. Her name's Ella Grace. First time I've met her. I've seen her on Facebook. I've talked to her grandpa a lot. And Ella is literally a miracle, a miracle. And she was born very much premature and had lots and lots and lots of bad reports. Every report that came, this family chose to believe God's report instead of the enemy's report. And there's one particular scripture that I learned from Ella and this family that I have started to use consistently. Oh, let's see if I can find it. It's the one that says, um, you, you know, I'm sure you know the reference. It's the one that says, no weapon formed against me will prosper. Do you know the reference for that? What? Scripture 54. Okay. I knew it was Isaiah, but I didn't know which chapter. But the second part of it is the part that I had never seen before. 54, the end of the chapter, right? Yes. Okay. But no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. 
And here's the part that they believe for Ella. And every tongue that shall rise against you in judgment, you shall show to be in the wrong. So what they spoke over Ella was that whatever the doctor's report said, they said, no weapon formed against my baby girl is going to prosper. And any word of judgment or any bad report that has been spoken over her will be proven false. So when those bad reports came, they would take that report and they'd say, oh, no, that's not God's report. And they would stand on this scripture and pray over the baby. And one thing after another, they saw her achieve that the doctor said she would never achieve. I'm just going to name a few of them because I don't remember everything. But she wasn't supposed to be able to see. She sees. She wasn't supposed to be able to hear. She hears. She wasn't supposed to be able to respond, like with smiles and responsive. She's been smiling at me all over the place. At one point, the doctors, (laughs) see? (laughs) At one point, the doctors said that even though she was making tremendous progress, you could see that there was an issue with her brain because there was a, a, you could see it, the shape of her head wasn't right. So they took that same scripture in Isaiah and they said, oh, no, oh, no. No weapon formed against our baby will prosper, and words of judgment that have been spoken against her will be proven false. So they went and they laid hands. They went home and they laid hands on her head, and they started speaking over her head, and they spoke to the issue. And they said, brain, grow. Brain, be perfected. I don't know exactly what they spoke, but they spoke over her brain and laid hands on her head. And within less than a week, they could see her brain start to fill in that space. So they have seen miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. And we're believing for the completed work. Will you agree with us? Amen. I'm just going to pray for Ella right now. And then we'll pray some more for her and her family afterwards. But just agree with me. Father God, we speak right now over this beautiful baby girl. We thank you, Father, for the miracle that she is. We thank you, Father, for the miracle that you've already done in her. And we know that it's not completed. Philippians 1.6 says, be confident of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it through to completion. So we thank you, Father, that that's what you do, that you bring this miracle to completion. And Ella is able to do absolutely everything and anything that she wants to do and that you have planned for her to do. We call her whole and perfected in every area, in her spirit, in her soul, in her body. And we thank you, Father God, for the gift that she is to Angela and to her grandma and grandpa and all of her family. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So I was so happy to get to meet her, and hopefully we'll see her a lot. Amen. A couple quick announcements before we start teaching, because there's a lot of new faces here. We have a phone list. It has uh, our ministry team's numbers on it, and we want you to call. If we can't call you back right away, we will call you back when we're able to. But we want, to, want, we want you to know it's available. Um, this is a kind of a postcard that has information about um, Jesus Christ Heals Today, which is the name of this ministry. And it has the little Q, what do you call those things? QR, QR codes. So you can just, you know, get to the website really easily. You can pass these out if you want. Um, to other people that might be interested. And then we also have our business cards out there. This has our website on it. There are all kinds of video teachings and audio teachings free out there to access. We've been trying to video pretty much everything 
that we're teaching, that we're sharing right now, no matter who's teaching, so that it's out there for people to access. And it gets accessed a lot. So I'm just thrilled that God's word is going out there and really speaking to a lot of people. Amen. Amen. Okay. Is there anybody that doesn't have a handout? Hopefully I had enough. Okay. Um, if you don't have one, maybe we can share. Because I printed 35. I've been printing 40 and not using them all. Okay. Thank you. Um, Peggy needs one, too. If there, is there anybody else? Linda? Linda and Doug both have one, so we'll pass one of those over. Thank you. Okay. This has been on my heart to share with you for a while. And when we were in Florida last week, and I had a week to just spend my time with God without preparing any teachings, I was just just soaking in this this concept, this topic that I'm going to share today. And then um, this morning I started to prepare for next week. And I got a phone call from Fran. (laughs) Would you be able to teach tonight? And I said, yep. You know, I'm in the process right now. I'm just, just putting this together. So this is like totally fresh from today. We're going to start with Romans 4.17. Are we all set, Kat? Okay. Romans 4.17. Would you turn there with me in your Bible, please? I want to show you something about, about God. Romans 4.17 says, As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. This is a little hard to understand because it's kind of taken out of context. So I'm going to fill you in a little bit. This is written about um, Abraham, who was called the father of many nations. God said in the Old Testament when he talked to Abraham, when he spoke this promised Abraham and this is what he told Abraham he said I have made you a father of many nations but the interesting thing is he told Abraham that before Abraham was the father he said I have made you a father of many nations but he didn't even have a son and then it goes on and it says God It's describing one of God's attributes it says God who gives life to the dead And, this is the part I want you to pay attention to, and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. So he is speaking to Abraham about something that doesn't exist as though it does exist or it did exist. He's saying, I've made you the father of many nations. It didn't exist. He spoke about it as if it existed before it did. There is power in the spoken word of God. And the same thing is true for us. Today I'm teaching about the blessing, about speaking the blessing. And you're going to see that the, the part of speaking the blessing is to speak the vision, to speak what doesn't yet exist. Many times when you're speaking blessings over situations, that situation that you're speaking, the blessing you're speaking, doesn't exist. You're speaking about it as if it does exist because it is God's best. It is God's will for us. So I'm going to show you an example of Jesus doing this. 
Turn to Matthew, please, chapter 5. Calling those things which do not exist as though they did. This is Jesus. It is in the middle of the chapter of the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, I'm going to read two verses, verses 13 and 14. He's speaking to the people, many people. The disciples, the apostles are there, but as well as many other people, he's teaching. And this is what he says. You are the salt of the earth. And then he goes on and talks about salt. And then verse 14, he says, you are the light of the world. So he's speaking to these unsaved, unregenerated, untrained people. And he's saying, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. He saw their potential. He saw them the way that they would be when they had the fullness of his salvation. They weren't yet the salt of the earth or the light of the world. But he spoke what wasn't yet there. He was speaking a blessing upon them. He was speaking positive. He was speaking God's will over them. Many of you know this, and, and, and it's just very, very special to me. So I, I hope you take this the right way when I share it. I learned about a year and a half ago what my name means. The name Cindy means bringer of light. I didn't know that my whole life. I didn't know that's what my name meant. And when I discovered it, I was overwhelmed. I was just undone. And it was as if the whole story about Abraham being called the father of many nations and God calling those things which are not as though they were, that was Abraham. I feel like he did that for me. (laughs) Because my name is Cindy. I didn't know that. My mom and dad chose that name 50-some years ago. (laughs) My name means bringer of light. So all of those years, I was called bringer of light. God says, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. But that's not just for me. That's for you too. It's a blessing if we choose to speak it and receive it. Turn with me to James chapter 3. James 3. I'm just going to give you this little introduction, then we're going to get into the meat of speaking the blessing. James chapter 3, verse 10. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. You see, we have a choice what we speak. I'm talking about praying the blessing or speaking the blessing. But we have a choice. God's given us free will. He's given us the ability to make a choice about what we speak. We're not robots. If we were, he would be having us all speak blessings all the time. But we have a choice. And God says, you can speak blessings or curses. Don't speak both. That that should not be so. Just speak blessings. So blessings are God's best, God's words, God's promises. Life. We've talked about the power of words and how we have the Uh, the power to speak life or death. 
Curses are those things that are negative, destructive, critical. What I'm going to do as I share about the blessing, speaking the blessing, I, the example that I want to use is an example that I use all the time, so it's easy for me to share, and that is speaking blessings over my children. Now, this same um, model can be used to speak blessings over anything. It can speak blessings over yourself. Maybe it's a physical need that you have, so you can speak blessings in that way. It might be over your marriage. It might be over your finances. It might be over whatever. But I'm going to use the example of speaking blessings over children. There's a couple spots up here. If anybody wants help here, you will. So, visualize the successful future of your children. This is for Ella. Visualize the successful future of your children with a clear vision of the potential within them. This is just an example of how to speak the blessing. Visualize the successful future of your children with a clear vision of the potential within them. And then, in any area where you see them failing to reach that potential, speak success over that specific area. Now, if you're parents, this totally makes sense to you. You know those gifts inside of your kids. You know the potential in your children. If there's something in their life that isn't matching that potential, speak success over it. Now, I'm going to give you an example. We have three kids. And two of our three kids are musicians. They're excellent musicians. Those of you who know my kids, I'm not just bragging. They really, really are phenomenal musicians. And, um, and they're very gifted. And I know that that's a treasure that's inside of them. What I speak over my children in that area, I speak blessings over their gifts. Because although their gifts are amazing, I would love to see them using their gifts for God. Now, they're not using them necessarily in a bad way, but they're really not using them in in what I would think would be a real, real, the best way. Now, God may have a different idea because I don't want to be God. So what I do is I speak over them. Let me just tell you what they do. My son is a recording engineer, and he has a recording studio. He's actually building a new one in Hamtramck right now. And he records, he's very well known in Detroit as a recording artist, and people come to him from all over the place to record their music. But you can probably guess what a lot of music is that he's recording. It's, you know, the city kind of music. Um, And my daughter is a professional singer and musician, and she's lived in New York for many years. She just moved. Thank you, Jesus. She just moved to Cleveland. Um, That's another whole story. But anyway, she's a professional musician. She sings. She goes on tours. She travels the country in tour buses. She's uh, just very gifted. She's done a CD, but she sings with all sorts of groups wherever she can get jobs. So um, this is how I pray blessings over Adam and Megan. I say, Father God, I just thank you for the gifts that are in my kids. I thank you for the treasures that you've placed in them. And I, and I say, Father, I just speak blessings over those gifts. Multiply those gifts, Father God. Refine those gifts. Multiply those gifts. 
reveal those gifts and then use those gifts in your kingdom for your kingdom's cause. So they have amazing gifts in them. So I just take those gifts and I start speaking God's blessings over the gifts that are in them. In any area that you don't see the gifts or the, the, the result of the gifts lining up, pray over them. Pray blessings over them. Pray success over them. Okay? So I speak blessings over them in that way. I'm going to share an example from a book called Imparting the Blessing. This is a really old book. Um, it was written by William T. Ligon, and it's, it's about imparting the blessing pr- primarily over your family. This is an example I think you'll really relate to. It's about a boy named Stephen. Stephen was a middle school student who was failing. His parents had had numerous conferences with his teachers. They had punished him for failure and encouraged him to change by offering rewards. They made sure he was in church every week, but in spite of all their sincere efforts, nothing was working for them. So they were doing everything that you typically do in the natural. Conferences with teachers, punishment for not doing well, consequences for not doing well, rewards implemented. If you do well, this is your reward. They went to church every Sunday. So they were doing things that in the natural you would think you would do to help your child to be motivated to do their best and work hard. Now listen to the second paragraph. In desperation, they appealed to their pastor, who taught them the biblical principles of the spoken blessing. They began laying hands on him daily and speaking success into every area where he had failed. Let me say that again. You may want to write it down. They spoke success into every area where he had failed. Stephen's attitudes began to change. He completed that school year with high scores and then moved into the next grade where he continued to succeed. You see, something switched. Something changed. Instead of punishments and rewards and and, uh, teacher conferences, they started to speak success over him. They were doing what the Word says. They were calling those things which be not as though they were. They were speaking success over them. That's what I speak over my kids with their gifts of music. I speak success over them. I speak multiplication of those gifts. I speak that those gifts are refined and revealed and and used. So speak success over any area that you see failure. And you can do this in your own life. Maybe it's not a a failure that's like like, uh, uh, life career move, but maybe it's something in your physical body. Start speaking blessings over whatever isn't working. I call my bones blessed, Doug. My bones are blessed. My bones are strong in the mighty name of Jesus. So you can speak over your body as well. Anything that's not where it should be, speak blessings over it. This next example I want to share, I came across many years ago. Um, Again, I'm a mama, and mamas love their kids so very much. It's such a good picture of how Father God loves us. We love our kids so much. And I was reading a devotional that particular year by Kevin Copeland, and it was called In Pursuit of His Presence. It's a really good devotional. 
I highly recommend it. But there was one day's devotional that talked about children. And Kenneth Copeland had one son that he had a lot of um, problems with at one phase of his life. And this, he gave, he gave two instructions that I have implemented and have, I believe this has totally changed the trajectory of my kid's life and my relationship with my kids. These are the two, the two instructions. The first one is don't magnify their sins. We've all made mistakes. If you're a mom or a dad, maybe you've seen some of your kids make choices you don't really like. Kevin Copeland said, don't magnify their sins. And this is a scripture I want to share. This is Galatians 6.1. Brethren, if any person is overtaken in misconduct or sin of any sort... You who are spiritual, who are responsive to and controlled by the Spirit, should set him right and restore and reinstate him without any sense of superiority and with all gentleness, keeping an attentive eye on yourself lest you should also be tempted. So this scripture talks about about talking to the person, but doing it with gentleness. Doing it with a heart of restoration. That's God's heart. uh, To restore means to work to put it back together. And then Kenneth Copeland goes on and says, We must magnify the Word. Magnify the love of God for your children. Don't magnify their sin. Bind the devil and let him know he cannot have your children. So instead of magnifying the issue, and that's what we often do as parents, we look at the issue and we talk to the kids about the issue and we, you know, our kids rebel and they push back and they get angry. Don't magnify that. Magnify the bigness of God. Magnify the love of God. Help them. Restore. Be gentle. Be loving. that phone i thought my husband was telling me something (laughs) that's okay i mean sometimes he does that it's like am i forgetting something okay number two i listen well to my husband okay two important instructions the first one is don't magnify their sins and the second one is treat them with respect isaiah 54 13 beautiful scripture for your kids all your children shall be taught by the lord and great shall be the peace of your children it's a great promise from god so declare it and then act in faith on that promise treat your kids like they are god's anointed even when they act like the very devil that's kevin copeland's words i took that right out of there and i said okay god i can do that treat your children treat that person that's that you're believing for treat them like they are god's anointed because they are even when they act like the very devil. This is the rest of what Kenneth Copeland says. Now, this doesn't mean you don't correct them. It doesn't mean you ignore wrong conduct. But you do the correcting with respect and in love. If you desire and demand respect from them, then we need to demand respect from ourselves for them. This is what God spoke to me a couple years ago. Um, 
our daughter was in the middle of a, a, a big battle with some stuff in her body. She had some thyroid issues, and it was causing her to, to have um, a lot of symptoms, physical symptoms. And she felt terrible most of the time. And um, I won't go into all the details, but she kind of pushed back from me and from Kent because we, um, the first thing we always do is pray. And, and it, it, she, was getting, she was getting frustrated with us. It was like we, she didn't think we were there to help her with the physical situation because all we did was pray. <laughs> we still pray. <laughs> but, anyway, but anyway, I went to God right away and I said, God, what do I do? And he spoke to me and he said, love her to life. Those were his exact words. Love her to life. Love her unconditionally to life. And that's what we've been doing. So we just changed the words that we spoke. With all my heart, I trust God. And she's so much better physically. She is doing way better physically. But our relationship is also restored. Because I just backed off. I don't need to speak scripture over my daughter face to face in order to pray for her. It's like Fran was talking last week about intercession. I intercede for my daughter all the time. And I love her to life. So I just love on her. I unconditionally love her and just, you know, care for her. So that's those two points have just just really helped me to parent grown children. Don't magnify their sins and treat them with respect. Um, I'm going to share another scripture about the blessing. This is 1 Peter 3, verses 8 through 11, and I put it in your handout because it's the message, the message um, translation. This is so good. Listen to this. Summing up, be agreeable, be sympathetic, be loving, be compassionate, be humble. That goes for all of you, no exceptions. No retaliation, no sharp-tongued sarcasm. Instead, bless. That's your job, to bless. You'll be a blessing and also get a blessing. Whoever wants to embrace life and see the day fill up with good, here's what you do. Say nothing evil or hurtful. Snub evil and cultivate good. Run after peace for all you're worth. Isn't that a great scripture? It really shows you the picture of cursing and blessing. Having that critical tongue or having that sharp tongue, that sarcastic tongue, That's cursing. God says, don't do that. He says, instead, bless. That's your job, to bless. Here's what you do. Say nothing evil or hurtful. Snub evil. Cultivate good. So when we're talking about blessing, that's what you're doing. You're cultivating good. You're speaking good. You're speaking blessings over the situation over the, or over the person. What I would like to do now is I would like to go to a blessing in the book of Numbers. This is called the priestly blessing, and I want to just take a few minutes to kind of, kind of study it with you. First of all, I've got to find Numbers. It's not one of those books I go to every day. Uh, it's near the beginning of your Bible, second or third book, somewhere in there. Number six. 
I'm actually going to start with verse 22, even though it's not on the screen. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. So Moses gave this word to Aaron to speak over the people of Israel, to speak over the, the, the covenant people. And we are the covenant people. Because of the new covenant of Jesus, if we have received Jesus as our Savior, God says, speak this blessing over my people. So this is a blessing that we can speak over ourselves or over one another, over our children. And here's the blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Now, I'm sure you've probably heard that blessing. You've probably heard this in a sung version or in a spoken version. But what I want to do now is to take each line of that blessing and unpack it a little bit. I went to my concordance today and I had fun. I had fun just looking at these words and getting a deeper meaning of this priestly blessing. Did you know that we're priests? We have been declared priests as new covenant children of God. I don't know the exact scripture, but it's in there. Okay. The Lord bless you and keep you. This is the first part of the blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. To be blessed means to be divinely or supremely favored. Divinely is from God. A divine blessing is literally from God. It's to be divinely favored. To be divinely or supremely favored. And that word favored means to be accepted, to be approved of, to be pleased. God is pleased with us. Just soak on that for a minute. May God bless you and keep you. May he bless you. His divine favor is upon you. He approves of you. He's pleased with you. He loves you. That's the first part. And then it says, may he bless you and keep you. That word keep, that word keep means to guard, to keep watch, and avert from danger, to protect, or to save your life. That's huge. May God bless you. May he pour out his divine favor upon you, his divine approval, his divine pleasure. And may he keep you. I just feel his anointing really heavy right now. May he keep you. May he guard you. May he avert danger from you. May he guard you. May he save your life. That's the first line of the blessing. Here's the second line. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. His face refers to his presence. May the Lord make his face, his presence, to shine upon you. To shine is to be illuminated. May his presence be illuminated on you. 
How many of you want his presence to just settle on you, to be illuminated on you? And be gracious to you. Be gracious. The word gracious is we know, we know that Jesus paid the price for us to receive the grace of God. This is Old Covenant. In the New Covenant, as children of God, we have the grace of God. And that word gracious means that His favor will be directed to us and His mercy will be upon us. His favor and His mercy. His favor, that divine approval, that divine um, uh, pleasure. And His mercy means that He paid the price for us. And we get what we don't deserve, which is His grace. We get what we don't deserve because He paid for what we do deserve. So this, this blessing says, may His face shine upon you and may He be gracious to you. And then the third line of the blessing says, The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. The Lord lift up his countenance. That refers to the manifestation of his presence and his power. The manifestation, that means it's, it's here and real with you. His manifest presence and his power is with you. May he lift up his manifest presence and his power upon you and give you peace. The word give means to put or to place or to appoint, to put his peace on you, to set or to place his peace on you, to appoint his peace on you. And that word peace is shalom. Shalom. Oh, you know how I love this word. Shalom is the sum total of all the good which the Lord does for his people. The sum total. I'm going to tell you some of the parts. Because the sum total means all this stuff is added together and then you get the sum, right? So here's some of the stuff that's added together. Tranquility and contentment. That's what we usually think of with peace. Completeness. Soundness of body, health. You can check this out in a concordance. All this is part of shalom. Safety, welfare, prosperity. Add all that up and probably a whole lot more. And that's the sum total of all the good stuff God has for you. Everything. Salvation, healing, Wholeness, nothing missing, nothing broken. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and set peace on you like kerplunk. It's yours, girl. Puts it right in your lap. Appoints it to you. You know, there's so many times when we don't know how good God is or what his plan is for us. There's something I've been, I've been um, just settled in my heart recently. I've been reading um, a book called Face to Face with God. And the author is Bill Johnson. And he says, our goal in life, <laughs> our big, what God wants for us, is to know him 
and to make him known. So many times we don't know. Like this scripture, I have read this so many times. I have prayed this over people. I have spoken this blessing over people. But the fullness of that blessing has just been like opened up to me in such a great way today. And my heart is to make it known to you too. To in ever greater in ever greater degrees. I want to give you before I go on to the next the next section which is praying for the lost. I want to give you an example again of how I pray blessings over my my kids. Um, I I speak blessings over my kids all the time. And I've done it directly over them before where I literally say, you know what, I just want to speak blessings over you. And I do. I just start speaking blessings over them. But I don't do it so much anymore because Megan kind of goes, Mom, that's weird. But I still speak blessings over them. And I speak, I've got categories. And um, it's, you know, it's, it's some very similar many days, but sometimes it, the Holy Spirit takes it a different direction. But I speak blessings, first of all, over their relationship with God. The same thing I just said. My heart is that they know God and they come to know him more. So I speak that blessing over them. I say, and I speak it over Kent and I too, over our whole family, because I want that too. I say, I speak blessings over my children, over Kent and I, that we know God and we come to know him more every day, that we love God and we fall more in love with him every day, that we know his love and we know his love more every day. So I speak blessings over our relationship with God. That's one of the things I speak. And then I speak over our marriages. We're married, of course. One of our sons is married. Our other two kids aren't married. But I speak blessings over their marriages every day. I say, my kids' marriages and my marriage, our marriage, is blessed. We love one another like crazy. God's the center of our marriages. I speak blessings. I declare that God is the center of all of our marriages. I have two that aren't even married yet. But I believe with all my heart that God is the center of their marriages. I speak blessings over our marriages. I say, I thank you, Father God, that we enjoy one another, that we have fun together, that we have great conversations, that we laugh, that we have just beautiful intimacy in our marriages. I speak blessings over our marriages every day, over my whole family, over my kids and over Kent and I. Another blessing I speak is over my my babies, my grandchildren, and even their children, my great-grandchildren. That's a long way off. But I'm speaking blessings over them already. And I speak blessings. I say, our babies are blessed. They're healthy. They're whole. They're strong. They're respectful. They're good learners. They're good kids. They love Jesus. Jesus is the center of their home, their family. I speak blessings over my grandchildren and over over their children. So that's another blessing I speak. And then I speak the blessing over their giftings and their careers. And I do the same thing for Kent and I. I say, I just speak blessings over all of our gifts. Thank you, God, for putting those treasures in us. I speak blessings over them. Multiply them, God. Grow them up. Fix them up. <laughs> Whatever you need to do. Just bless those gifts. And then use them. Use our gifts. So those are kind of the areas that I speak blessings over my children, over my family. just wanted to give you an example of what that looks like. Okay, so the power of the blessing. It's huge. It's huge. 
Okay, we're going to move on now to the, to the next part, which is praying for the lost. This is kind of, it, it, you'll see how they kind of tie together a little bit. But this has been on my heart. You know, last week Fran taught on the prayer of intercession, and we were chatting before tonight, and I, and, and I was kind of asking her questions and listening to what she was teaching last week because I wasn't here. And um, this, this is a healing meeting. When I talk to people, when people call um, with somebody who, is, who has a need, Kay, you contacted me this week with somebody that you know that has a really big, desperate need in their physical body. The first thing I always pray is what I'm sharing with you now. The first thing I want to do when I talk to people is to pray with them for their salvation or to at least share with them about salvation and how, how what a treasure it is. It's the biggest miracle. It is the best miracle. It is the most important miracle. It's an eternal miracle. So I want to pray for the lost, and I want you know, to know how to pray effectively for the people that maybe don't know Jesus. Or maybe they do know Jesus, but they've turned away from him for whatever reason. So this is how to effectively pray for the lost. And this, again, I just always want to give credit to, to the sources of these teachings. And this is, again, from that book, A Better Way to Pray, by Andrew Womack. So, first I'm going to tell you a couple biblical truths. Here's one of them. There, there's somebody listening at me again. There is a demonic deception in a non-believer's life. There is demonic deception in a non-believer's life. Would you turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4? I'm going to show you where the Bible says that. This is a biblical truth. 2 Corinthians 4 says... Verse 3 and 4. But even if our gospel, the glad tidings, also be hidden, obscured and covered up with a veil that hinders the knowledge of God, it is hidden only to those who are perishing and obscured only to those who are spiritually dying and veiled only to those who are lost. For the God of this world, notice it's a little g, It's the enemy that refers to the enemy. For the God of this world has blinded the unbelievers' minds that they should not discern the truth, preventing them from seeing the illuminating light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, the Messiah, who is the image and the likeness of God. Whoa. This scripture is saying that the enemy has veiled unbelievers' minds so that they don't discern, they don't understand the truth. I can totally relate. I know I've told you this before, but when I read the Bible before I was saved, it was veiled. I didn't understand it. I didn't have the, 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 the light shining on it. It was very difficult for me to understand. That was demonic deception. Here's another biblical truth before I talk about the first part of the prayer. Turn to 2 Peter 3.9. You have a burden. I know you do for those who don't know Jesus. I have a burden for those who don't know Jesus. That comes from God. That burden that you have is the same as God's. The desire that you have for those people that you love is the same as God's. 
Second Peter 3, 9, I mean, first Peter says, the Lord does not delay and is not tardy or slow about what he promises. I like that. According to some people's conception of slowness, but he is long suffering. He is extraordinarily patient toward you, not desiring that any should perish but that all should turn to repentance. God's desire is the same as ours. His desire is that none should perish, but all should turn to repentance. And repentance means you change, you turn. And instead of running away from God, you run to Him. Instead of being afraid of God, you pursue Him. You pursue peace. You pursue His love. So those two concepts, the, the, the biblical truth about the, the deceiver blinding the unbeliever and the biblical truth about God's will that none would perish leads me to the first part of this prayer for the lost. And I put it in bold part one and then I put a, a, a form of a prayer and you don't need to use these exact words, but I put part of a prayer there for you. So what you're going to do is you're going to begin praising God because he's good and then bind the blindness or speak that that veil is lifted, the demonic deception. We have authority over the enemy. Fran and I were talking about this before the meeting. We have complete authority. There's nothing getting in the way. There's nobody's will. We're going to talk about that in a minute because there is somebody's will. But when you're... Um, calling that veil off, you're speaking directly to the demonic opposition. So here's a a prayer form. Um, Father, you don't want anyone to perish, but that all would turn to repentance and the knowledge of you. That's scripture. I'm praying scripture. You love this person, whoever it is. You love them more than I do. Thank you for loving them. Since I know that there's demonic deception involved, I bind this blindness in the name of Jesus. So what we're doing is we're taking that issue and we're saying, go in Jesus' name. Blindness, go. Veil, be lifted in Jesus' name. Now, I didn't put this on your paper, but this is important. The lost person, the person that you're praying for, has the free choice to void your prayer. (laughs) By turning away from the Holy Spirit's prompting. When that veil is lifted, the Holy Spirit can prompt the person. But they may turn away. It's not that God didn't answer. He did. But they may be negating the prayer. So, you need to pray that prayer again. And keep on praying it until you see the manifestation. Don't doubt that God has answered, but realize that the other person may be negating your prayer. So when I pray this prayer, I pray it consistently. It has four parts, and I have specific people I'm praying for. And I just pray that prayer. Whenever, I, whenever I'm thinking, whenever God brings those people to my mind, I pray all of these parts of the prayer. When that veil is lifted, the Holy Spirit can prompt, can move, can woo. How many of you have been wooed by the Holy Spirit? I know I have. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So the next big idea, biblical truth. Your loved one must be born again of the incorruptible seed of God's word. So let's look at the scripture that says this. 
1 Peter 1.23. You have been regenerated, born again, not from a mortal origin, seed or sperm, but from one that is immortal, by the ever-living and lasting word of God. The seed, guys, the seed that was planted in you, that led to your rebirth, is the word of God. The truth of the word of God. Somebody told you about Jesus. Somebody told you about the truth, about salvation. When Fran was speaking at the beginning of our session, she said that the word victory has been on her heart all day. Jesus' name, the name Jesus means victory, salvation, and deliverance. So somebody has told you or you've read or you've heard about Jesus, about victory, about deliverance, about salvation, about healing. And that is what led you. That was the seed. That was the sperm. The incorruptible, immortal seed that produced life in you. That's what your lost loved ones need. They need the seed. They need to become impregnated with the word of God. And so that's what we're going to pray. Okay, now, part two. How do we get that to them? How do we get that word to them? Maybe they'll listen to you, maybe they won't. You know, that very often those that we love the most, we're not the ones that they're going to receive from. So, Part two is to pray Matthew 9, 36 through 38. And I'm going to share that scripture with you and how to pray it. So this is Jesus speaking. Matthew 9, verse 36. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. They were lost. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So the second part of the prayer is to pray for the laborers to deliver the word of God to that person. And here's a a, a, suggested prayer father i ask you to send laborers across fill in the blank across my loved one's path they need to hear your word so i speak in faith and believe that this person will hear your word of truth through and then this is lots of places you could hear it through through television people have been saved through television through the radio, through the internet, through books, through billboards, through people. And you don't have to put all those things in there, but you know what? God can meet people all over the place. Pastor Sarah, our, our lead pastor, was saved on the 700 Club when she was in the middle of committed suicide. She had a handful of pills and a big glass of whiskey. And she was going to drink the whiskey and take the pills. And the 700 Club, who's the guy on the Pat Robertson. He said, and this was a taped message. It had been, you know, it was God turning that on in her living room at the right time. He said, I see a little mama. She's Italian. 
I see a little mama who's going to kill herself. Don't do it. And she heard God speak to her. The Holy Spirit was wooing her. And he led her in a prayer of salvation right then and there. And she now pastors this church and how many more? Five or six other churches. Hundreds and thousands and thousands and thousands of people, including me, have life because she turned on the TV that day. And somebody probably been praying something like this for her. So pray for the laborers to come across their path and bring the word of truth to that person or those people. And then once you've prayed for laborers, offer yourself as a laborer. If you can talk to the non-believer, do it. I have to share um, something that happened just about two weeks ago. Um, I told you already that I pray for our kids all the time. And our son has a girlfriend, and our daughter has a boyfriend. So I often pray for all of them. I pray for my son and his girlfriend by name, and I pray for my daughter and her boyfriend by name. I never know. They may be my, my sons-in-laws or daughter-in-law someday, so I pray for them. And one day I was praying for Adam's girlfriend. Her name is Marianne. And I saw myself talking to her, and I saw her receptive. I just saw like the little snapshot of Marianne and I talking. Marianne doesn't know Jesus. And I saw myself telling her about Jesus, and I saw her openly receiving. So I talked to God about it, and I said, Okay, God, you know, if you want me to talk to her, you have to make the way. <laughs> you know, I offered myself as a laborer, but I thought, How in the world is this going to happen? But I learned to trust God, right? And the very day that I prayed that prayer, the same day, God doesn't waste time, the same day Kent and I went down to Adam's studio to help him because he's building this new recording studio in Hamtramck. And um, when we got there, Marianne was there. And on that particular day, the, the project that they had planned was Kent and Adam were doing this really nasty job in the basement, and I wasn't going to be down there. I was going to be upstairs doing some mama work in the apartment. And so I was upstairs doing some cleaning, and Marianne said, I'll help. I'll help you. So Adam and Kent were a way long ways away, and Marianne and I were upstairs cleaning. And I had all morning alone with her. Now, how good is God? And so then I'm saying, okay, God, I have no idea how to start <laughs> What do I say? So, you know, we're not real close together, so I'm praying in tongues because that's a really good way to let God take over. And I'm praying in tongues and just saying, God, I don't know where to start. I don't know where to start. And I said, you've got to help me here. And he did. And I won't go into detail. But I was able to share openly with this girl about Jesus and about how amazing he is and what he's done in our lives. And she was, just like I saw when I prayed, she was very open. Now, I didn't lead her to the Lord, but I sure planted a lot of seeds. It was awesome. I was so excited when we drove home because I didn't get to talk to Kent until we drove home, and I just couldn't shut up about how amazing that opportunity was that got opened up for me. So all I did was pray this little prayer, and God opened the door that very day for me to be able to talk to her. So that's the second part of the prayer. The third part of the prayer 
um, is based on John 14:26. So let's read that scripture. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So the third part of this prayer is to believe the scripture, to agree with God, to believe that the Holy Spirit will teach the person, will teach whatever he needs to teach them, and will bring back to their remembrance what he's already spoken to them in the past. Now, many times people have known about God in the past, or they've known something about him, or they've had some word, or they've had something, and the Holy Spirit will bring it to their remembrance. So that's the third part of the prayer. And the little... um, um, section of prayer here I have says, Father, I thank you that the Holy Spirit will teach this person and will bring back to their mind those things that you've spoken to them in the past. Okay? So that's the third part. And here's the fourth part. You can't stop sin or pray forgiveness over someone. You don't have it. That, that's their free will. They ha- I mean, that's their will. But you can deal with sin's negative repercussions. You can pray protection over them. I would like to look at, this is actually in the middle of the prayer, but I would like to look at John 17, 15 for a minute. This is a, this is a prayer that Jesus prayed. And this is what he said. He was praying, this is John 17, and the whole chapter is a prayer. He prays for himself, he prays for his disciples, he prays for the world. And this is one of the parts of his prayer. He says, I do not ask you, I do not ask that you will take them out of the world, but that you will keep and protect them from the evil one. Well, if Jesus can pray that, so can I. God, protect them from the evil one. In the Our Father, part of the Our Father says, deliver us from evil. In Psalm 91 It talks about being delivered from evil and having the angels protecting us. So take some scriptures about protection and pray them over your children or over whoever it is that you're praying for. Father, I recognize that this person must repent for his or her sins and surrender his or her life to you. But I'm going to stand against the negative effects of their sin. Satan, even though they may have opened a door... They are not going to be harmed. Jesus, you prayed these words to your father. I do not ask that you will take them out of the world, but that you will keep and protect them from the evil one. So I pray the same thing. Father, keep and protect this person from the evil one. Your prayer can grant them a measure of protection, but they can void it. Just keep releasing his power Keep releasing his protection into their life until they respond favorably. You can't make them receive the Lord, but you can put positive spiritual pressure on them by releasing the power of God into their life. So that's the four steps of praying for the lost. And I'm, I, I don't, I'm sure that there's different ways you can pray, but that's an effective way to pray for those that you really care about, to bring them into the, the, the fullness of what God has for them. So those were the the kind of big areas of prayer that I wanted to cover tonight. And Tom's going to do some more next week. Are you getting something out of this? 
I know I am. I just feel like something's stirring in the atmosphere of the region. Because people everywhere are hearing about effective praying. And I'm hearing people saying, I'm starting to apply that. I'm applying this. Thank you for sharing that because this totally helps me to know how to pray. We want to pray effectively. We want to help others in whatever area there is, whatever area they need. 